Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back, everybody, to The Basement Binge. As we continue through Animation Hall of Fave Volume 2, Continuing with the Kung Fu Panda binge with Kung Fu Panda 2 is a ton of fun. This is a sweet movie. I'm really excited to talk about it. So let's get started with the first segment, Two Cents. Now, Two Cents is completely spoiler free. So if you haven't seen the film, definitely feel free to stick around. I'll let you know before we get into the spoilers. Additionally, make sure you stick around after Two Cents. I'll give you some details about how you can enter the giveaway and potentially receive Kung Fu Panda 2 or any of the other movies I'll be reviewing during Animation Hall of Fave Volume 2. So stick around for that. Let's get started here, like I said, with two cents. So Kung Fu Panda is a tough movie on its own to follow up. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do. I I loved it. I was blown away by it, even though I'd seen it many times before. It's phenomenal. And sequels are really hard to make because you don't want to undermine anything about the original, especially with such a personal and well-told journey for Poe. I would hate it to see here in the sequel, like we see so frequently, that they just reset the character and any amount of growth that they went through before. Well, Kung Fu Panda 2, as a great sequel that it is, does absolutely none of that. It continues with all the great aspects of the first film, like great music and voice work from a really incredible cast, beautiful animation that's really technically impressive, fun characters, good humor, and and a sincere message. It takes all of those wonderful things and continues the story of Poe genuinely. It's a continuation of what happened before without ever undoing it. Poe as we already saw in the first film, has become the dragon warrior. He's learned to value himself and who he is. He knows Kung Fu. He doesn't have to relearn it. So how do you create challenges for Poe without undoing any of those things that he learned before? And that would, of course, require spoilers, which we're going to talk about. So let me just quickly talk about some other things in this film that I really like, and then we'll get on to the rest of the episode with spoilers. First, the animation, it is as solid as it was before. It's not so much a front page striking beauty. Maybe it's because I was prepared for it from how much the first film blew me away, but it's more the subtle beauty that I noticed this time around. You can tell that they really push themselves technically again. As part of that, the animation of the Kung Fu, absolutely essential for a film like this and one of my favorite parts of this particular film, and I think a huge improvement over the first. Not that the first had it bad, but here we get to see more Kung Fu and more individualized Kung Fu for each members of the five and other Kung Fu individuals, and we get to see their choreography kind of front and center And uh, it's really unique and incredibly well done and and just as fluid and kinetic as before. Each location that they do Kung Fu in is used as an action set piece to its fullest, taking up everything that a location can offer, both from the action standpoint, but also comedically, it's really funny. The story, like I mentioned, it's even more emotionally rich than the first. Poe's a fantastic character and they never abandon Poe for who he is and don't try and reset him. They tell a genuine story for this character, and I think for all of us. I don't need to tell you this. We can just look at the proof. The film has, on its own, attracted an incredibly talented cast from the first film already carrying all those overs, but then you add some others like Gary Oldman, Michelle Yeoh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Victor Garber, and Danny McBride. I mean, they are all phenomenal additions. The entire film and the story is crafted with care for this wonderful universe that we have of Kung Fu Panda and the characters that fill it, and it's exceptionally well done. 
to say anymore, it's going to require serious spoilers, so let's get into the rest of the episode here. There is a brief announcement, like I mentioned, how you can enter the giveaway that I'm doing for Animation Season 2, you know, the brief version of that. So it exists for the entire month of January and February. Every single review that you leave on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts or Spotify gives you an entry into the giveaway that will come at the end of February. Additionally, during the month of January, there's a giveaway happening for Spider-Man Homecoming digital copy. So every review in January will enter you to both giveaways, both Spider-Man Homecoming and the animation giveaway. The animation giveaway, which will be announced at the end of February, will be based off, again, a drawing from all the individuals who leave reviews or share the show on social media and tagging me in it so I can see. What are you going to win? Well, I'm giving away a copy of one of the films that I reviewed during animation season. It's your choice. If you were the winner, you get a pick from one of the films that I reviewed during animation season. If you are not the first prize winner, but the second prize winner, you will get a $10 gift card to either a movie streaming service like Vudu or Apple TV or something like that, where you can purchase or rent movies or a $10 gift card to a movie theater of your choice. So those are the, what you can win. It's really simple. Just leave reviews. If you share, leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify to make sure I see it, I recommend sending me an email or DM me on Instagram with a screenshot so I can make sure to count your entry just because the way they notify me of the reviews don't always catch them. Additionally, I recommend podchaser.com podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Of course, linked below. It's completely free. Phenomenal resource for all things podcasting. Additionally, it lets you leave reviews on each individual episode, not just on this episode. Any episode that you review doesn't have to be an animated episode. Any episode you review during the months of January and February will give you an entry. So all the things you need for that are linked below. Thanks for letting me share that announcement real quickly. We're going to move on to the next segment after this break. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast by enduring that break. Let's move on to the next segment, Pick Your Poison. Pick Your Poison is a rating scale here at the Basement Binge. Instead of giving it like a real rating like Matt does at his show or a percentage or something like that, here at the Basement Binge, Pick Your Poison, the rating scale, is all about the bingeability of the movie and how I would choose to interact with it after this watch. So out of four options, never watch it again. To stream it, meaning it's an honest service I'm already paying for when I'm browsing and just looking for something to watch, I'd click on it. Above that is to rent it in the right circumstances, be that Redbox or digitally, pay a few dollars and rent it. And the top of the list, you probably guessed it, is to buy it digitally or physically like a Blu-ray and watch it as many times as I'd like. This one's really easy for me and it's definitely a buy. And it's just because that these films are so easy to revisit. There's not a lot that holds back entering this film or watching it or enjoying it. On top of that, it's really easy to enjoy with other people, no matter what their preferences about movies are. I already own it. I'm glad that I do. I'm going to continue to watch this this film and this entire trilogy over and over again. Definitely a buy in, in every way. Pick your poison means buying it. So that was brief. Let's move on to the next segment, Live Up. This is where I talk about my expectations going into the film and if it was able to live up to them. I have seen this film before and I w- wasn't quite sure if I had. I wasn't sure if maybe it was the second or the third. And literally the only thing I remembered is that at some point the villain was on a boat and Poe was really far away yelling and the villain couldn't hear him. That, that was it. I didn't even remember that the villain was a peacock. I didn't remember why they were on a boat. I had no idea where Poe was. Just the idea that Poe was yelling from a far distance and the villain couldn't hear him. That's all I remembered. So my reaction to the first film and then some individuals talking about their reception to the second film got me really excited and my expectations were extremely high. So to get to the question immediately, did it live up? Yes, it lived up to my expectations completely. Didn't quite exceed them in the way that the first film did, but I think that's just because my expectations were not very high. But this film doesn't need to exceed my expectations to be a good film. It lived up to what I was expecting of it. Like I mentioned at the beginning, the animation doesn't stand out quite to the extent that it does in the first film, but it is still beautiful. We get more of the wonderful 2D cell style animation, really fun shadows with lots of dynamic range in the colors and in the brights and the contrast between shadow and light. 
A really fun Pac-Man style top-down shot that is a ton of fun. The wonderful Kung Fu choreography, like I mentioned. And there's also those moments that are challenging technically with water and fur and fur being wet and feathers and flowy robes and smoke and fast-moving physics and just tons of explosions and all of them look stylized and none of them look overdone. They match the world that they've created with a Kung Fu Panda extremely well. And then we have Poe. The entire film is crafted around respect for him and what he has gone through and who he is. He's still irreverent and funny and just as enthusiastic as he's done before. He doesn't have to change. He can still be himself sticking to the themes of the first film. He's still a little bit of a klutz and he's still flubby and soft and he's also really kind. And he's just as in love with Kung Fu as he was before. But then the film's incredibly well-rounded because it isn't just one of these things that make up who Poe is. It's all of them. And they don't require them to change. He is the Dragon Warrior. And Poe being Poe is what allows him to be the Dragon Warrior and allows the message of the first film to feel even more real. That they didn't undo it. And now just because he is the Dragon Warrior doesn't mean that he's suddenly the best at everything. He still needs mentoring and help from his team. And he has a lot to learn, especially about stealth like we see. But what helped him be successful in the first film is still here. His enthusiasm, especially for justice and kung fu, and his optimistic persistence that he never gives up. And also his infectious state of inspiring others. He keeps learning from his mistakes like was so key in the last film. For example, he learns how to not get distracted by Shen the second time around or learning stealth from the first time to the second time and how to be stealthy focused on his own strengths instead of Tigress's. He never stops being Poe. When he catches the cannonball in his hand, it's on fire afterwards. It's such a delicate balance of humor and seriousness and they walk that line perfectly and all of it is done because who Poe is. When it comes to Kung Fu, yes, he is serious, but he never stops being Poe and kind of goofy and a bit of a dork. And I love it. And I also love how they made a new villain. You know, we don't have just a repeat of Tai Lung. Peacock or Shen isn't a physical opponent, but more of a mental one, one who has intellect and charisma and an entire army. It isn't the same as before. It's not a rehash. It's new, both from a story type thing, but also challenges for Poe is new. And something I also love, actually, I should have mentioned in the episode for Kung Fu Panda 1, the first film, is that these films, so far with these first two, I haven't seen the third, never rely on cheap tricks for tension, never rely on the really dumb, lazy writing that myself and like Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies really likes to point out. Poe is still the Kung Fu warrior, and he's still himself. The five are his friends, and Master Shifu still respects him. That respect is carried over from the end of the, the last film. Poe doesn't doubt himself again. He doesn't have to relearn Kung Fu. He's not nerfed by something really stupid. This is how you sincerely continue a story, is by taking your characters and what they learned in the last film serious. And I like that they avoid those weak, lazy screenwriting elements. Tigris doesn't try to leave Poe behind out of a lack of ability or lack of respect for him or some dumb argument. It's out of care and not wanting him to get hurt. She, in fact, gives him a hug in a really impressive way and says the hardcore do understand but I can't watch my friend be killed. Like It's a really genuine moment and a great continuation of their relationship that this film actually does really well. Another example is with the entire story and progression of Poe trying to figure out who he is and who his parents are and being adopted. He doesn't get mad at his dad, Mr. Ping, for not telling him he was adopted. He doesn't create a bunch of drama and, you know, go into some weird diva state. He just genuinely has questions about who he is. And that's very real and very sincere and doesn't create unnecessary tension. I really wondered how they were going to be able to continue such a powerful and well-told story, particularly with the themes of it, from the first film. But understanding someone's identity is an essential part, and I'm sure a big part of being an adopted individual. I feel like it's everything they tried to do with Peter Parker in the Amazing Spider-Man films, the punk rock personality, as Mark Webb put it, but it works so much better here for Poe 
and it's told very, very sincerely. I keep using that words, but it's just because that's the best way to describe it. So that kind of moves us into the next segment with this great way that they tell this incredible story. Is it lame, fave, or fame? Hello, everybody. You're all right. Simmer down. Simmer down. Thank you. Okay. So this is the new segment for Animation Hall of Fave Volume 2, where I kind of give it a, a new rating in this, so to speak, Hall of Fave. Is it, is it lame? Is it just a fave where it's a film that I just, I just love, even though I recognize not everybody else will? Or is it fame where it should be recognized by everybody? This is really hard for me because I feel like it's really kind of walking the line between fave and fame. I think as an individual entry, it lies a little bit more on fave because I think that the first film visually is more striking. I think it has a better pace and a better balance of tone than this film. And so it that makes it the stronger entry. But I think as an entire trilogy, this trilogy deserves to be fame for the way that it's a consistent trilogy. It's well told. None of it undermines it. It this should be a masterclass of how to do sequels with your characters without underdoing them. And so it's a solid trilogy. And for that reason, this as part of the Kung Fu Panda trilogy definitely deserves that fame. So now let's get on to the binge points. These are talk where I get to talk about Easter eggs or details or trivia or behind the scenes details or just other things that I want to mention about the film that don't really fit in any other segments. And I want to start it off by talking about the director, Jennifer Yu Nelson, I think is how you say her name. I hope so. She's Korean. She was actually part of the art department for the first film. She'd never directed before. This was her first directorial debut. And she, in the first film, though, actually did have directing credits, but technically was part of the art department. She was the director of the beautiful 2D animated dream sequences. In fact, if you go and look, it says director dream sequence. She was also the head of story and the supervisor for all the action sequences. So it makes sense that she earned the directing role. Like it wasn't just someone plucked out of the animation department. It was someone who was very involved in the process of creating a well-told story. And her skills from those departments she was in before come over in her direction. And it's also really incredible because until the release of Frozen in 2013, this was the biggest box office success for a movie directed by a female. It is still among the highest grossing films directed by a woman, particularly by just a woman. It ended up making more than Kung Fu Panda. So that's like excluding films like Frozen or Captain Marvel 2 or those types of films that is co-directed by a men and woman duo. This film is actually number two in films solely directed by women just behind Wonder Woman, which is at number one and is ahead by about $150 million, which is actually impressive that Kung Fu Panda 2 comes at close one because this is a sequel. It's an animated movie. It's kind of a kid's movie, if you will. And it's going up against Wonder Woman and everything that Wonder Woman is. So that alone tells you the quality of this film and also Jennifer Nelson's directing talent. She definitely deserves that record, so to speak. So now let's talk about the voice cast, the other important part of an animated film. Of course, the entire voice cast is incredible, especially Jack Black and Gary Oldman. They really play off each other incredibly well, and neither one of them overshadow their characters, and it doesn't feel like Jack Black or Gary Oldman. It genuinely feels like Poe and Shen and that relationship, and it's very, very well done. But that's no surprise to anybody, so I kind of want to talk about some of my other favorite characters and the voice work behind them. Particularly with James Hong, who plays Mr. Ping, he really loves the character. You can tell in the performance when he's not in the film as much and there's a few moments where it's just him and he really sells those moments. But the actor, James Hong, really cares about Mr. Ping. In fact, he would send notes to the director and the writing team and how to make this character better. He really loved him and it's a great combination of actor and character. And in fact, describing it himself, he said Mr. Ping is kind of like a Jewish mother and a Chinese father combined, if you can imagine that. Another great uh, voice cast, kind of a cameo that I loved is Master Rhino, voiced by the great Victor Garber. 
He has like four lines in the film, but makes an immediate strong an impression on you of being very respectable and one who is full of honor, but also who has the ability to command while also being very kind. I love what he did in those, you know, that one minute that he was in the film, if that. And then, of course, Michelle Yeoh. She is incredible. When we get to the Wuxia films that I'm going to do this year with that binge, so to speak, she'll definitely be mentioned more. But she's incredible. And she has the perfect voice of wisdom and weight for the soothsayer. And it's kind of interesting that she never gets any kung fu because she's kind of a kung fu legend. But her voice is also incredible. And I hope that she actually gets more voice acting because she's she's exceptional. And I love what she does as a soothsayer. Now, the other thing I just want to mention about the voice cast is I'm so impressed that I cannot recognize Angelina Jolie's voice. I know that it's her. I'm listening for it. I'm trying to put it together and it just feels like Tigress. I don't know why. Maybe it's I'm just not super familiar with her voice and I'm more familiar with that voice combined with who she is. Maybe she doesn't have quite of a standout voice. I don't know. But even when I know it's her, I have a hard time picturing her and not just picturing Tigress, which is to her praise in the voice performance that she gives. So now, of course, let's talk about the very important part that is the animation. And that starts with the incredible opening of the film. Last time we had the 2D dream sequence of Poe. Here we have Shadow Puppet 2D cell style animation that is, of course, beautiful, but also reflects the privileged, aristocratic type nature of Shen's upbringing and his backstory. That combined, of course, with Michelle Yeoh's voiceover is a great opening. And then the way the transitions into CG is actually a matte painting where it has like the the smokestacks um, and the, the smoke pluming out. That was a matte painting that was just mapped to CG geography to make it dynamic. And it's a great marriage between 2D, you know, an actual drawing, a matte painting, and then CG and the way it transitions in CG. It's a, and a great image that you get for a, a moment. Clearly, everyone involved with this loves animation and loves using that format to its fullest. Now, to continue on the topic of 2D, we get more of that beautiful 2D animation that Jennifer Nelson was responsible for in the first film. But it's not just like great that we get more of it. It's actually fitting continuity wise for the character. The opening of the first film was in that 2D and it was a dream of Poe's. Every time we get that 2D animation here, it's also Poe's dreams or flashbacks, dreams, the same type of 2D. And there's that one sequence where he is reflecting on it and it transitions from 2D to CG 3D. And it's Poe realizing that dream that he's having is reality and accepting it as that. And it's just a wonderful use of animation as a storytelling format. And I love it. Now, to talk a little bit more about the characters, particularly Shen, what an interesting character to animate. According to the director, Jen Nelson, he was a very difficult character to animate. Just very, very complex character. And she said she described it of animating like six characters all at once because of the many dynamic elements of his physical attributes. And then we also have the beautiful things with the cannons and their visuals they always look so stylized and not like real explosions. And the sound design is doing a lot in favor of that as well. This is incredible sound design, but we get the swirling sparks behind it and the smoke plumes following out. It is I, everything about that I love. And the ending and the culmination of those cannons just being displayed kind of at dusk when it's darker in all their color. I just, I love that they really went into their love of that animation. But I also love that they don't indulge in it too much. We don't linger on a shot of a cannon firing for too long. Like it's kind of a blink and you miss it naturally like a cannon. But when you do get it, it is it's it's great to look at. I also just as like a detail, I love when Poe does reflect those cannonballs that their red color slowly turns into yellow as he throws them away, almost like he's diffusing the hate from it. I, I just love that cool detail that you can use through animation. Now, maybe the reason that this animation, while I do have lots of praises for it, didn't feel like it stood out as much is because it feels very familiar. This world is fleshed out and we get more of that beautiful striking world in those locations, which I'm going to talk about more in a second here. 
but it does still feel like they were pushing themselves with this, with the continual movement and kinetic energy and the use of the camera. I love the cinematography, both uh, static shots and just lighting wise, but also camera movement I love in this film. We also get lots of light and fun angles, like I mentioned, like the top-down Pac-Man thing. That is just a ton of fun. Like, that, what a fun thing to do when you have a location like that and when you have a characterization like that. But that entire city that we're mentioning, there's a lot of wide angles, and that's not a matte painting. It's a 3D-modeled city that you see there for one second, but digital artists work so hard to create a fully realized city, and it's wonderful. Additionally, the fluid movements of Shen, like I mentioned him earlier, and his fabric is just exceptionally well done. On top of that, I think I counted like three dolly zooms, maybe even four if I remember right. I have no idea how you would go about animating that. That would be really hard, but they match the lens distortion and lens effects of a dolly zoom exceptionally well. And it's both visually used really, really fun and done visually well, but also cinematically in the way that that dolly zoom conveys a message is when what that represents is perfectly used in the film. And I'm a huge fan of dolly zooms. So all this animation actually ended up using over 99 terabytes of data. 99 terabytes took more than 55 million render hours to make the film uh, because of the technical work that they were doing with this animation. And it's, it shows it's very, very impressive. So now those locations that I wanted to talk about, they actually went to China in 2008 to do research there and soak up the locations and culture and feeling and look of China. And it really shows in the film. And, and a lot of that had an effect on the story and Poe's experience discovering who he was when he comes to terms with inner peace with that water droplet where he was born. It, it really influenced a lot with the film. So just kind of going location by location uh, and the influence of it. So we have the Valley of Peace where they live, of course, the majestic peaks with the fog. So those are kind of based off Lee River Valley and Hanshang, Hanshan Mountain Range. I'm totally mispronouncing these. Huanshang. Huang Shan, I think is how you say it. I'm not sure. Um, but those mountain ranges that have really high peaks peeking through the fog and also the wonderful greenery and those types of things and the town. So the Valley of Peace, that town is meant to be a feeling of relaxed safety. And that was inspired by Southern China and the Forbidden City. So then we move to the Musician's Village, which is on the edge of the cliff. That was inspired by Quin Cheng Mountain Monastery, which is in Chengdu, China. Um, all the instruments were based off the musical instruments in that actual village and monastery that they went to and a musical number that was performed for the filmmakers while they were there. And then as they travel across China, of course, we get the great landmarks of China with the Yellow Mountains and the Himalayas and the Golden Valley with the desert, all those wonderful things, and eventually coming to Gongmen City, which is intended to be in contrast to the Valley of Peace and everything that that is with crowded markets and intentionally putting Po out of his comfort zone and in a new element. And that was based off Pinhuan, Ping Huan, Pin Ping Xiao, Ping Xiao, Ping Xiao, China. I have no idea. With in scaffolding in that city being inspired by actual scaffolding that was out while the filmmakers there and pictures that they had taken of it. So then the tower, Shen's tower, which is called the Tower of the Sacred Flame, which is what a great name for a tower. It's ten stories with which has six hundred and twenty nine stairs, which I absolutely love. Uh, particularly as Poe comes in and says, "Ah, my old enemy." stairs. I mean, what great characterization. So that was kind of inspired by two things, uh, the yellow crane tower in Wuhan and the pavilion of Prince Tang. The interior of it was based off the forbidden city and the type of architecture that they get there. So then the harbor that's based on Fenhuang city with the narrow canals with the Chinese architecture right next to those canals. The selling vessels that are traditional selling vessels, those are called Gong, I think is how you say it. Yeah, that city, Fanhuang, is actually named after the phoenix. And that phoenix is actually on Shen's 
Uh, it's the emblem on the, his clothing on his back. Now, cool detail about the phoenix, phoenix, the dragon is often regarded to the symbol of the emperor. The phoenix is often the symbol of the Chinese empress, which is fun detail. And then, of course, ending on Panda Village. So this is actually based off Quin Cheng Mountain, which has a genuine research base for panda breeding in Chengdu. And they loved the city and the experience that they had there so much that they actually wrote it in Chinese characters on the rock. The name of the city, um, Quing Chen Mountain, they wrote, sorry, not the city, but Quing Chen Mountain, they wrote when Poe's dad, he's kind of like huddled over and he has a robe behind him. Before he turns around, there's those characters on the rock kind of to the right. So there was a lot that went into and a lot of it was really just the, the experience they had connecting to the experience and locations of China and the rich culture and history and almost spiritual essence of the fog and locations and the great history that is built into those, those locations. And they really in, in, uh, inspired the film a lot, which is really, really cool. Now, quickly moving on, just to mention, because I felt so bad, I almost forgot to mention last time, the music. I love the music. John Powell and Hans Zimmer, of course, continuing the great work that they did last time. In particular, I love the fight they have with the wolves when there's that Chinese mandolin looking thing, whatever it's called, in the Musician's Village. I love that music. And then, of course, instead of Ugwe Ascends, we get Poe Finds the Truth. That piece of music with the animation switching from CG to 2D, focusing on the water droplet and its location on the screen and the way that that goes. And the music is just an exceptional scene. And that's probably my favorite piece of music from this film. All right. So now just fun other details that I want to mention uh, that happened throughout the film. Lord Shen, the peacock, he fights with a hand-to-hand combat style called Kai Li Fo. I think is how you say it. It's a Chinese martial art form that normally uses like metal fans for defense and distraction purposes. You've probably seen it like in Avatar The Last Airbender or in a lot of other anime um, and also just in wuxia films. So Shen being a peacock, he doesn't have a fan, but he has a peacock tail, of course, and he uses it in place of the fan, including with a noise that the fan does. And it's probably why he was so hard to animate, but really cool that they added that in. Another cool detail, Mr. Ping, he stated previously in the first film that he he had a dream of going to learn to make tofu and running away from the noodle shop. Well, here in Kung Fu Panda 2, his restaurant, the entryway to it was destroyed. And so the need to rebuild it, he uses as a chance to also rebrand and renames his restaurant, Dragon Warrior Noodles and Tofu. And he's now selling tofu. He mentions it a few times as well. So apparently Poe Realizing his dream of becoming the Kung Fu warrior and the Dragon Warrior convinced him to do the same. And I love that. The other great detail. So Toy Mantis in the cage from the moment Poe puts him in there. It is Toy Mantis. It's not regular Mantis. He must have crawled up his arm for something. But as Poe puts him in the cage, you can see from the way that it moves that it's definitely Toy Mantis. I mean, like nobody would have noticed that, but they went through the work of making it happen. And it's awesome. Another fun thing is the barrels when Viper comes out of uh, Poe's barrel and they're they're like rolling around. There's only five of them. There should be six if each member has their own. So Viper has to be somewhere. And then, of course, she is. The other great detail, while Jackie Chan is still underused here, and I'm sure other voice actors are, you know, the, the five don't get a lot of lines besides Tigress in this film. But Jackie Chan, I, I noticed Monkey because I'm just waiting for him to say something because I love Jackie Chan's voice. It's really iconic to me. He does get more lines and he when he says that Poe would want us to be strong, that feels very Jackie Chan. But I love that they get the the classic Jackie Chan, like nervous yell when he yells, return it. I mean, it's I can't replicate it. Maybe I'll put an audio clip in. It's your New Year's gift. Hope you like it, because you can't return it. <laughs> huh? What's he doing here? Oh. Return it! Return it! 
I just, I love that. And it feels very iconic. So I'm, you know, again, they didn't underuse him, but at least they got that in there. All right. And then Master Croc. So Master Croc, he is based on and voiced by the great Jean-Claude Van Damme. He voices him. And so when he comes up, he does a wide split position, just like Jean-Claude Van Damme is famous for fantastic characterization. Those are all the binge points I got. Let's move on to the second to last segment here, least and likes. This is where I talk about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. Again here, because of the great work of the film, I don't necessarily have a least favorite scene, but just like a least favorite thing about the film. And that's just the pacing. The pacing is a little bit slower here, particularly in the first half. It's not as funny and not that it has to be, but it just different pace and also master shifu being completely sidelined it's necessary for the growth of poe and also does fit the story like it's not like a lame sideline like why would master shifu train these people to go with him like he has a new responsibility kind of in replacing master ugwe which i love he has that green robe for um but it's just a bummer because he's such a great character and such a great voice with dustin hoffman that it's just sad to see him sidelined so what's my favorite what's my like how could you not love the ending when poe understands and he's come to inner peace and he's able to fight back Shen visually. I talked about that before with the cannons, how great that is. But I think my favorite is when Poe does the inner peace water dance, as I'm going to call it for the first time in the beautiful transition we get between 2D and CG animation with the music going back and forth. And then right after that, the montage that he gets of all that comes after because of what his mother sacrificed for him and Mr. Ping, his dad, loving him and raising him with the swelling music How can you not get hyped for Poe and for who he is and what's about to come? That is my favorite scene without a doubt. The ending again with the uh, battling the cannons is a close second and also the chase, just the entire chase through the city with the dragon Pac-Man thing, like I mentioned them, them eating them and kicking the bad guys out. It's hilarious. And then also on the little cart things and the uh, like sonic boom butt punch as I'll call it that those are all fantastic scenes. But if I have to pick one favorite, it's that when Poe understands uh, he learns the truth as the music. Uh, as the song is titled. And that is a great transition into the last segment, Fall In. This is where I talk about messages, themes, details about the film that I really love. Now, before I get into the specific things, I just want to mention one of my favorite details about the film is that these messages, these themes never come at the cost of the characters, particularly with it being a sequel. All of it comes because of the characters and who they are. And I love that. It's it's a very fine balance. I don't know. It, it's great that they're able to write that that consistently for two films in a row and also have it be that sincere. So like the film before, I think that there's kind of two parts to the message. So the first, there's the first part about figuring out who we are. That's very real for all of us. Our lineage is important to us in a lot of ways. Poe trying to figure out who he is, especially as an adopted individual, I feel like that would be important to understand who you are, where you come from. I mean, those are the great, great questions on earth. Who am I? Where do I come from? Those types of things. Why am I here? Maybe even you can throw that in here. And it's something that, again, these films are so timely with things happening in my life. I'm very religious uh, this year. I'm um, studying the Old Testament and been starting the book of Genesis and reading about Moses and his experience, which makes me really grateful for my understanding of my divine lineage and what that means to me. You know, even if that isn't your belief, it's something that all of us have to come to terms with who we are. And I'm really grateful for my understanding of it and my renewed understanding of it. And so I, while I didn't relate to Poe in wondering about it, I did relate to Poe in feeling power, knowing about it and feeling an increase of understanding of who I am and an increase of peace in my life and gaining inner peace that way. That is an essential part of it. The very, very real journey that all of us have to find who we are, our lineage is a big part of that. But I also love in this 
inner peace that we're traveling towards the, the journey to inner peace. The other part of it that Poe says to Shen, you know, scars heal <laughs> and that hilarious scene or that they fade. What matters is what you do from now on. Well, actually what he says, what you do from now on is what matters. And I love that as well, that in our journey of finding inner peace, there's a lot of things like our lineage or abandonment or parents or mistakes or scars or wounds or whatever. There's a lot of things that can damage our inner peace. As for Master Shifu, it was not understanding himself and trying to control too many things. And like he said, the worst day of his life when Poe was named the Dragon Warrior. It's unique for everybody. But in our journey of inner peace, we have to come to terms with those things. And what we do from now on is what matters. And the same goes for Master Shifu, who gained, who had gained inner peace in the last film. And it was the example of that at the beginning of the film. It wasn't somehow an undoing of what came before. It was him choosing what he did from that moment on. And the same thing for Poe. And that is as one strives for inner peace, especially with the idea of trying to understand your lineage, sometimes that lineage isn't great. Some, you know, including our part in it, sometimes our lineage of our past younger selves, if you want to include that, uh, isn't perfect. And there's probably a lot of scars involved in that, particularly uh, for chain breakers. And I, I just love those individuals. If you are one, good for you. Th- that's important to say, what you do from now on is what matters. And that is absolutely true. And a wonderful reminder to me as I strive to overcome weaknesses. And this episode is delayed because I feel like I've really, really been in a funk lately and I haven't felt like myself. And part of that is trying to come to terms and and have inner peace myself genuinely. Like I'm I'm not joking. That's something that I think all of us experience at different ways and through different parts of our life. And for me, that line, what you do from now on matters is one that I hope I remember more as I work towards inner peace, because anything is possible when you have inner peace. And that's ultimately true. So once again, Kung Fu Panda and Poe really coming in here and telling me what I need to hear and doing it sincerely uh, and not ever doing it heavy fisted or unrealistically or ungenuinely. Like these are very, very weighty and important themes and very, very powerful and emotionally resonant, personally resonant messages. And that can be hard to try and balance that with a panda who does Kung Fu uh, and is voiced by Jack Black. Like the way that they're able to balance those is impressive on its own. And then of course the beautiful animation, Kung Fu Panda, man, I was, I knew the first one was going to be great. And then I was tempted to not do the sequels, you know, because I, of course, the basement binge is about binging series and sequels and that type of thing. And so that's fitting of the basement binge, but it's animation hall of fave too. This is where I pick individual entries. And I felt like, man, if I'm doing this and there's another trilogy I'm doing, like that's, if I just do the first film, that's four other spots that I can clear up for others. And then I was like, whatever, I'll just do it. And so far for Kung Fu Panda, I'm absolutely glad I did because these films as a trilogy are exceptional in the way that it continues the characterization of Poe and the very real lessons he learns, very real life lessons, but also the great individual entry of animation and animation and film that they are. So thank you so much for enjoying this episode with me. Thanks for enjoying Animation Hall of Fave 2. Again, if you want entry for a giveaway, potentially to own this movie or one of the others that I'm going to be doing during this animation season, I'll leave a review on Podchaser. I will link it below. Again, it's just podchaser.com slash the basement binge, or you can go on Instagram at binge basement. You can comment on the post there, or you can share the show and tag me in it. Those are all ways you can enter you until the end of February. Get those entries in. But once again, in case you didn't hear me say it enough, this is Animation Hall of Fave 2. This is the basement binge. My name is Harrison. 
And that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.